0: Second Chronicles chapter 20, Second Chronicles chapter 20, <clears throat> and I'm going to read the first 30 verses, Second Chronicles 20, so this Bible says, and it came to pass after this also, that the children of Moab and the children of Ammon, with them uh, other besides the Ammonites, came against Jehoshaphat to battle. Then there came some that told Jehoshaphat, saying, there cometh a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea on this side Syria. Behold, they be in Hazazon Tamar, which is in Gedi. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord, and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. Even out of all the cities of Judah they came to seek the Lord. And Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court, and said, O Lord our God. Of our fathers, art not thou the God in heaven? And rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen, and in thine hand is not there not power and might, so that none is able to withstand thee. Art not thou our God, who didst drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people Israel, gave us it to the seed of Abraham, thy friend forever? And they who dwelt therein, have built thee a sanctuary therein for thy name, saying, If when evil cometh upon us, as the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we stand before this house and in thy presence, for thy name is in this house, and cry unto thee in our affliction, Then then thou wilt hear and help. Now behold the children of Ammon and Moab, Mount Seir, whom thou wouldest not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and destroyed them not. Behold, I say, how they reward us to come to cast us out of thy possession, which thou hast given us to inherit. And, o our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. And all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. And then upon Jehazel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jill, the son of Mattaniah, a Levite, of the sons of Asaph, came, the Spirit of the Lord, in the midst of the congregation. And he said, Hearken ye, all Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, and thou King Jehoshaphat. Thus saith the Lord unto you, Be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow go ye down against them. Behold, they come up by the cliff of Ziz, and ye shall find them at the end of the brook, before the wilderness of Jeruel. And ye shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves, stand ye still, and see the salvation of the Lord with you. O Judah and Jerusalem, fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head and with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And the Levites and the children of the Kohathites and of the children of the Korhites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with a loud voice on high. And they rose early in the morning and went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa, and as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, so shall ye be established. Believe his prophets, so shall ye prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord that should praise the beauty of holiness, as they went out before the army, and to say, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endureth forever. When they began to sing and to praise the Lord, praise the Lord set an ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, which are come against Judah, and they were smitten. The children of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, utterly to slay and destroy them. And when they had made an end of, inha- of the inhabitants of Seir, every one helped to destroy another. And when Judah came toward the watchtower in the wilderness, they looked unto the multitude, and behold, they were dead bodies fallen to the earth, and none escaped. And when Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away the spoil of them, they found among them an abundance both riches with the dead bodies and precious jewels which they stripped off for themselves more than they could carry. And they were three days in gathering of the spoil. It was so much. And on the fourth day they assembled themselves in the valley of Barakah, for there they blessed the Lord. Therefore the name of the same place was called the valley of Barakah unto this day. Then they returned, every man of Judah and Jerusalem and Jehoshaphat, in the forefront to go again to the Jerusalem with joy, for the Lord had made them to rejoice over their enemies. And they came to Jerusalem with psalteries and harps and trumpets under the house of the Lord. And the fear of God was on all the kingdoms of those countries when they had heard that the Lord fought against the enemies of Israel. So the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet, for his God gave him rest round about. So tonight we're talking about conquering the crisis. Conquering the crisis. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity we have to be assembled together and to open your precious word. I pray as we look at the word of God tonight, I pray that you would encourage our hearts as we consider this Old Testament account of how you uh, answered the plea of help for the Jehoshaphat and the children of Judah, and we pray that you would help us to learn some things that we can apply to our lives that would be helpful in our walk with you. We do pray in Jesus' name, amen. So as we consider this conquering of the crisis tonight, we notice first of all the problem and. And, and and I want you to notice something about this problem. Uh, this isn't really because there's of some evil that they done. Notice in verses 1 and 2 it says, And it came to pass after this also. Now, uh, if, you, if you talk about this also, if you look at, drop back to verse 4, it says, uh, verse 3, Nevertheless, there are good things found in thee, and that thou hast taken away the groves out of the land, and hast prepared thine heart to seek God. And Jehoshaphat dwelt at Jerusalem, and he went out again through the people from Beersheba to Mount Ephraim, and brought them back unto the Lord God of their fathers. And he set judges in the land throughout all the fenced cities of Judah, city by city, and said to the judges, Take heed what you do, for you judge not for man, but for the Lord who is with you in the judgment. Wherefore, now let let the fear of the Lord be upon you, and take heed and do it, for there is no iniquity with the Lord our God, nor respect of persons, nor taking of of, of gifts." Moreover, in Jerusalem did Jehoshaphat set of the Levites and of the priests and of the chief of the fathers of Israel for the judgment of the Lord and for controversies when they returned to Jerusalem. And he charged them, saying, Thus shall you do in the fear of the Lord faithfully and with a perfect heart. So, you know, Jehoshaphat was one of the better kings that Judah had. And he and, he, and the Bible says there he, he set his heart to seek the Lord. And, of course, he, he just didn't uh, do this himself. He... He put into place some practices, some things in the nation that would challenge the people to get back to the Lord. You know, he set judges. Uh, he sent the Levites to teach and achieve the, the priests and the, and the chief of the fathers of Israel uh, to settle controversies, and and they were commanded to do it faithfully. And and so, you know, this was this was not only for himself, but he challenged the people of the nation as well. So. So in that setting, it says, and after this, verse 1 of chapter 20, so after he's doing all this, so here comes his enemies, and they're facing a national crisis, you might say. Uh, you know, this is kind of unique to, to him, uh, and as we consider this tonight, I want there's some certain, some principles here that we can apply to our walk with the Lord as we face problems in life that we see here put to practice in this chapter. Uh, and again, this, this is happening uh, after, uh, of course, you know, he had been strongly rebuked. He had been with, fighting with Ahab, and he had been rebuked for that. And after that, he, he sets his heart to seek the Lord He encourages judges and so on and so forth. And, and sometimes when we, we turn to God and, and we're walking with the Lord, sometimes crisis come. Problems come. You remember in Matthew chapter 14, Jesus had been preaching uh, on the Sea of Galilee, and then he told his disciples, he, he, he he commanded them or constrained them to get into the boat and sail to the other side, and he went up into the mountain alone to pray. So they were, you know, he told them to get in the boat and sail to the other side, and when they're out in the middle of the sea, a storm comes brewing up. A storm of significance where they thought they were going to perish. They thought they were going to be completely overcome. And that's when Jesus comes walking to them on the sea. So, you know, even in, in, when things seem to be going well and we seem to be doing what is right, sometimes these problems come into life. And they happen. Trouble comes. And uh, uh, what we see here is when Jehoshaphat, when the trouble came, he was prepared. Why? Because he was already seeking the Lord. And that's key. You know, if we want to be prepared for the problems in life, we have to be already in the mindset of seeking the Lord. Seeking the Lord. So, what he did was, then he just continued doing what he was doing. The first thing we see is he he sought the Lord for help. Verses 3 and 4. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord, and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord, even out of all the cities of Judah they came to seek the Lord. Now notice, you know, he set himself to seek the Lord, and then he claimed to fast throughout all the land of Judah, and they gathered unto him out of all the cities that says here, of Judah. And I think that's fruit of what he had been doing or putting into practice. He had he had put judges and and, and priests to teach in the cities, so he had prepared the people's heart for this time. So, so you know, you know, God, you know, God always has a solution to a problem, whatever it might be. You know, God is greater than our crisis, but we need to be prepared for it. And we need to seek him, and we need to seek him. The psalmist said, early will I seek him. Early will I seek him. So he, 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 he sought the Lord for help. Secondly, we see here we need to recognize who God is. If you notice in verse 6, he says, And said, Lord, O Lord God of our fathers, art not thou God in heaven? And rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen? And in thine hand is there not power and might, so that none is able to withstand thee? Now, someone has rightly said, you might say he said, first of all, that, Lord, aren't you the sovereign Lord? And then he said, you know, aren't you the supreme ruler of the world? And Lord, aren't you the almighty God that has all power? You know, we could could say this, you know, thinking of that order. Okay, God is sovereign. He knows your problem. He knows what crisis you may be in. Second, if he's the supreme ruler, he will govern your crisis. He will govern your problem if you allow him. And then thirdly, if he's the almighty God, he can empower you through the problem. He can empower you through it. And this is what Jehoshaphat is is, is you know is crying out to God, "Lord, aren't you aren't you the, the sovereign? Aren't you do you not know this crisis we're in? And do you not know you can govern us through this thing and 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 you can empower us. You can make it work out." See, we need to recognize we must not forget who God is, whom, the, whom God is that we serve. Uh, you know, the, the enemy the enemy can can come in like a flood, but but we serve the God of the universe. The one who has all power. The one who knows the end from the beginning. And you know, the one who's already there in our problem before we got there. And so we need to trust in him. And then he says, and then he, the thir- third thing we see here, remember what God has done. If you notice in verse 7, Art not thou our God, who didst drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people Israel, and gave us it to the seed of Abraham, thy friend forever? So he's again reminding him, look, God, you're the, you're the God that drove out the Canaanites, and the Hittites, and all the Jebusites, and all thoseites. You, you drove them out, and you gave us this land... And, and, and certainly, you can help us to keep this land. You know, and we can say, you know, God, you're the God that saved us from, from eternal condemnation. You, you saved us from the penalty of our sin. And, and you can save us through this thing, too. I mean, if he can save us from our sins, he can do anything in our life. There's no problem too big for God to take care of third thing we say, he reminds us to remember God's promise. Verses 8 and 9. And they dwelt therein. So this is, this is a promise that he, God made them. They dwelt therein and have built thee a sanctuary therein for thy name, saying, If when evil cometh upon us, as a sword and judgment and pestilence or famine, we stand before this house and in thy presence, for thy name is in this house, and cry unto thee in our affliction, then thou wilt hear and help. You know, this was a promise that God made to Solomon, when he dedicated the temple. You know, if my, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face. And, and you know, the preaching verses says, if you come to this place, it's talking about God's house. You come to this place and you cry out to me, I will help thee. I will help thee. You no, know, I will save thee in the midst of your problem. You know the psalmist said in Psalm forty six one, God is and in the end of the verse says a very present present help in time of trouble. God is our refuge and strength. A very present. So there's an emphasis on the present here. Very present. In other words he's always there. He's always there. It's the question is, do we utilize that presence? He's always there. And, and so, Jehoshaphat, you know, you, I'm sure you've heard other preachers say this, and I've said it before, that, you know, pray God's promises back to him. And this is what Jehoshaphat's doing. He said, God, you said this, and God, you are this, and, and surely, God, you can do this, because you have said in your word, and this is what you have done this is the promises you have given to us. Remember God's promise. You know, God's promised us eternal life. And nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's our promise that we have from God. The fifth thing we see here is he he gives the problem to God. Verses 10 and 11. And now, behold the children of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir. Notice whom thou wouldest not let Israel invade. Remember, when they were coming up out of the land of Egypt, and they came to Edom, and they wanted to pass through Edom, and Edom came out against them, and would not let them pass through, so they turned away. The Lord didn't allow them to conquer Edom. Same with Moab and Ammon. You know, there were some nations that came out against them, and they engaged them in battle, and God gave them the land. The land that was east of Jordan, that Manasseh... uh, it was the Hash tribe of Manasseh, Reuben, and what was the other one? Gad, I think it was. Okay, so those, those three tribes had portions on the east side of Jordan. Because, and really, that wasn't what they were going to conquer. But those nations came against them in battle, so the Lord gave them their land. And, the, and then the children of Manasseh and, and Reuben, they said, Hey, this land is great for cattle, and we got a lot of cattle. And they said to Moses, You know, could we have this land? And they Went to the Lord about it and the Lord gave it to him. So so what we do he's reminding them of this that, you know, they but they did not were not to conquer Ammon and Moab because and because of the reason, they were relatives. You know, Edom is relatives. You know, Edom is Esau. So that's a half that was the brother of Jacob. Moab and Ammon are the fruits of Lot and his daughters, so they're related to blood kin. And so God didn't Allow them to destroy them when they come out, when they come up into the land, and this is what he's saying here. But that wouldn't, you know, whom thou wouldest not Israel invade, verse ten. Thou wouldst not uh, when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and destroyed them not. Behold, I say, how they reward us to come to cast us out of thy possession. This is your possession that you have given us. It's your possession which thou hast given us to inherit. God, you've given this possession to us. You promised this to us. So he's given the burden of it back to God and his promise. He's casting his care on the Lord. Lord, this is is really your problem. This is, this is your responsibility to take care of. This, you promised us this, and now these people whom you wouldn't let us invade are coming against this. You know what he, is that not the truth? Yeah, it is. I mean, he's not telling God what to do. He's telling God already what God did. He's telling God what God had already done. He isn't telling him what he has to do. He's just telling him what he had already done. And then number six, we must acknowledge our inability to solve the problem in our own strength. Notice again verse 12. O our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. Now, here you have three nations against one. And they have come, you know, and I don't know how they came, but if you would look at the geography, Moab and Ammon are east; Edom is south of Judah. So, so you know, they'll be coming from different sides here. So this is this is a, and, and you know, they 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 they've awfully obviously confederated together. But so this is a very large, uh, and, and the Bible tells us that there was a. Uh, Verse 2, a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea on this side, Syria. So there was a, it was considered a great multitude, a great army, larger than what they had. And, and, and Josaphat says, we don't have the strength to do that. We don't have strength to take care of this problem. We have no might, but but our eyes are upon thee. We can't solve the problem, but our eyes are upon ye, on thee. Uh, reminds me of Paul in Second Corinthians chapter twelve, where he says that his you know he, that his strength was made perfect in weakness, and of course he relied on the strength of Lord Jesus Christ through his trial, uh, his affliction that he had. So they acknowledged our ability uh, inability to solve the problem. It is not in us. Um, number seven confess your lack of wisdom again in verse 12 he says neither know we what to do we don't know what to do you know this is a great multitude and we don't know what to do and so what he's doing is he's asking you know is he confessing or admitting that that he doesn't have an answer he doesn't have a solution but he's also, in the same vein, saying, Lord, Lord, I need your wisdom. We need direction. We need you to tell us what to do. You know, James 1, verse 2 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall in divers temptations, knowing this, the trying of your faith, worketh patience. Let patience have a perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom... Let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. You know, we've asked late back and forth. Lord, you know, I know you have the wisdom, and I need that help. Or, and then back, well, you know, I've, I've got to take care of this. Well, Lord, I, I need your help. Well, I've got to take care of this. Is that asking in faith? You know, and it says diverse temptations. That's varied, many, and different. They come at us, and so we need wisdom, and the Lord is wisdom. And so we need we need to confess our lack of wisdom and our and our confidence in the Lord. And then number eight, make sure your eyes are fixed upon the Lord and not upon the problem. Again, verse twelve says, the end of the verse, "But our eyes are upon thee, not upon Moab, Ammon, or Edom, or Mount Seir, as they're called here. It's Edom. We're not, we're not. Our eyes aren't fixed on them. Our eyes are fixed on you because we're looking, looking to you." to to help we're looking for you to act we're looking for you to give us direction to tell us what to do you're sort of like david when the philistines invade the land and he said shall i go up and fight with them and the lord said no but go around behind the mulberry trees you know david didn't say lord i i mean he just defeated him just Just not long before that, he could have just went out and said, well, you know, the Lord gave us victory last time. He'll do it again, so let's just go get them, guys. But the Lord said, no, no, don't do it that way. He asked the Lord, Lord, I need your wisdom, what to do in this situation. And he said, this time you go around behind them. And when you hear the rustling in the mulberry trees, then you attack. And that's what he did. And so... His eyes are upon thee. He said, Our right. eyes, you know, we need to have our eyes fixed on the Lord. And when, you know, when we fix our eyes on the Lord, the problem doesn't seem to be, isn't significant. It's the Lord that becomes significant. You see, Saul looked at the problem, Goliath, and, the, and the, the army of the Philistines, and that was a significant problem to him, and he didn't know what to do about it. The Lord looked at David and said, That's not a problem. My God can take care of them. See, the problem is we become gross with the problem. We forget the Lord and his promises. And of course, this this is what happened in Matthew chapter 14. I made reference to earlier. The disciples were exactly where the Lord sent them. And yet, they were thinking they were going to perish. Psalm 25 and verse 15. Psalm 25 and verse 15 says this. Mine eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he shall pluck my feet out of the net. You know, a net is something you get caught in. And He said, mine eyes are fixed, are ever toward the Lord, and he shall pluck my feet out of the net. You know, Jehoshaphat and the the, the, the people of Judah are, are sort of like in a net. They're caught. They don't know what to do. But they fix their eyes on the Lord. You know, this, is, this means we must submit to him, his ways, his path. You know, again, if we focus on ourselves, we're not submitting to the Lord. And so, we need to fix our eyes upon him. And then number nine, by faith, claim the promise that the battle is the Lord's. Verse 15 through 17. And he said, Hearken ye all Judah. This is the prophet, of course, speaking. Hearken ye all Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, and thou king Jehoshaphat. Thus saith the Lord unto you, Be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow go ye down against them. Behold, they come up by the cliff of Ziz. You shall find them at the end of the brook, before the wilderness of druel and ye shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves, stand ye still, and see the salvation of the Lord with you. O Judah and Jerusalem, fear not, nor be dismayed. For tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. Again, we understand, you know, from David made this, you know, when he, when he went to meet Goliath, he, he said to Goliath, the battle is the Lord's, and this day will the Lord deliver you into my hand. You know, it's God's responsibility. When we're walking with the Lord and we run into a problem, it's God's responsibility to solve the problem. You know, it was God's, when, the, when, the, when Jesus sent the disciples away on the Sea of Galilee and there's a storm, it's Jesus' responsibility to take care of the problem because they are where he sent them. You see, our responsibility is simply to trust him. And God doesn't ask us to solve our problems in our own strength or our own wisdom. No, he desires that we seek his strength and his wisdom and his solution because there's no problem too big for God to solve. After all, he is the almighty. He is the sovereign. He is the rule, supreme ruler of the world, of the universe. So there's nothing too big. Nothing too big for God to take care of. And then number 10. Humble yourself before the Lord. Verse 18. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground. And all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. You know, the Lord just told them, look, you're not even going to have to fight. Tomorrow you go out against them, and and you're not going to have to fight in this battle. This is the Lord's battle. And they, they they just fell down and worshiped God. They recognized that they their inability, their weakness, and they were claiming God's strength, God's power, God's intervention. They were realizing the sufficiency of God, and they were they were worshiping Him uh, on account of it. Uh, again, Second Corinthians chapter twelve, verses nine and ten. This is this is what Paul. Uh, Spake of when he was had the thorn in the flesh. In Second Corinthians 12. In verse 9 through 10 he says, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly therefore will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. You know, my insufficiency is opportunity for God to sow Himself sufficient. God is sufficient, He's sufficient. We need to trust Him. We can do all things through Christ, which strengthens us. And so they humble themselves. And then the, the 11th thing that I have 15 of these actually. The, the 11th thing he says, pray he, they praise the Lord with genuine enthusiasm. Notice verse 19. And the Levites and the children of the Kohathites and of the children of the Korhites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with a loud voice on high. What were they doing? They were singing praises to God, telling God how great he is. How great he is. You know, we need to we need to sing praises, you know, even in times of trial and testing, we need to, we need to sing praises the Lord and tell God how great He is. Psalm 34, in verses 1 through 3, the psalmist said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Notice he says, all times. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. O oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt His name together. And so there needs to be praise. We need to praise the Lord with genuine enthusiasm, even in the midst of the trial. And, and this is an expression of, I'm confident God's got this taken care of. And I think a good example of this is Hannah. You remember when Hannah went up to the temple and she poured out her heart to God out of her abundance of her affliction? And she was so burdened that Eli thought she was drunk. And spoke to her of that, and she said, I'm not my lord, I'm not drunk, I'm not touched wine or strong drink. I'm just of a sorrowful heart. But after she poured out her heart to the Lord, she went away, and the Bible says, and her countenance was no more sad. And so you need to praise the Lord. You know, our trials are God's opportunities to show himself strong on behalf of those who love him. Number 12, then bravely face the crisis. If God gives you a promise, since God has given us his promise, we can bravely face that crisis. Notice in verse 20, And they rose early in the morning, went forth into the wilderness of Koah, and as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, so shall ye be established. Believe his uh, prophets, so shall ye prosper. So they just they did what the Lord commanded. They went, they went out. And, and Jehoshaphat stands up before them and says, Believe in the Lord your God, so shall ye be established. And believe his prophets, so shall ye prosper. We don't have to run away from a crisis. We don't have to run away from it. We have, can have confidence that the Lord can meet the problem that we face. And you know, we find you know, Daniel didn't run away from the, the crisis that he was involved in on several occasions. You know, when he was faced with the lions, then he didn't run away from it. He just continued to live to please God as he always did. And let the Lord take care of the lions. And Lord did. You know, we live in a world that does everything possible to avoid and escape their problems. They use all kinds of things. But we have God, we have a helper who is mighty, the supreme ruler of the universe. The Sovereign God in whom we can put our trust, and so we can, we can enter the heat of the battle, so to speak, with full assurance of faith, of faith that God will keep his promises. Hebrews 13:5- six says, "Let your conversation be without covetousness, for he has said, "I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee, so we may boldly say, "The Lord is my helper, I will not fear what man should do unto me." And so we can face the crisis. Now, you know, even though the battle is the Lord's, we're not completely passive about this as God solves the problem. There are some things that we're able to do that God expects us to do. God expected them to go forth to the battle. They just didn't sit there, you know, after God told them what was going to happen. They said, well, okay, he's going to go take care of it. We don't even have to go. Hmm. No, they still had to go forth to the battle. Uh, You know, David believed God was going to give him Goliath, but he still had to throw that stone. God directed the stone to just the right spot. You know, in Acts chapter 12, you have... Peter's got a problem. He's in prison. And, you know, he can't break out of the chains. That was the Lord's problem. But it was his responsibility to put on his shoes and walk out. You see... See, we are to do, we are to act... On the commands that God has given us. And so, we can bravely face the crisis, but we need to act upon the promises God gives us. And then the, number 13, trust in the Lord and in his word. Again, verse 20, says, and they rose early in the morning and went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat students here said, hear me, O Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, so shall ye be established. Believe his prophets, so shall ye prosper. In other words, we have to take God at His word, believe His promises, and He will establish us. He will hold us up. If we put ourselves in His hands, He will hold us up. If we come under His wings, He will shelter and protect us. If you stand on the rock, then you will be established on the rock. We have a more sure word of prophecy, wherewith you do well to take heed as unto light that shineth in a dark place. You know, the word of God gives us light and wisdom in this dark world and when we face dark situations. But we have to claim the promises. And then number 14. Thank the Lord. Verse four, Verse 21. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord that should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army, and to say, "Praise the Lord." No, wait a minute. The battle hasn't happened yet, but the promise has been given, and they're already thanking the Lord. They're they're thanking the Lord. Praise the Lord is an expression of giving thanks to the Lord, and so they're thanking the Lord. As they went out before the army and say, Praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. So they're already thanking the Lord. They're giving thanks to the Lord. In Philippians 4 6 says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known on God. First uh, Thessalonians 5 18. In everything give thanks Yeah, that kind of goes along with count it all joy when you fall in diverse temptations it's easy to say it's the hard thing to do it but we ought to because our, our difficulties are God's opportunity to show himself and God's opportunities to stretch our growth our growth in him as we'll see that a little bit later here so, so thank the Lord. I remember reading uh I think it was Hudson Taylor's Spiritual Secret. And uh they were having they were praying and asking the Lord. They had a they had a conference like every year with the the missionaries in China in China uh seeking uh God's direction and asking for a certain number of missionaries. That was something they did every year on during Hudson Taylor's time, they would was, they was put out a number to seek for a, a certain number of missionaries added to their mission work. And then, so they'd have like, I think it was like three or four days. And, and so they'd pray about this in the first, second day. And then they'd thank the Lord for what he was going to do. For his promises that they were certain he was going to keep. Now, they hadn't happened yet. All those missionaries hadn't signed up yet. But they thanked the Lord. Because they believed they were praying God's will. They were claiming God's promise. Then the 15th thing. Sing and praise, even though you don't yet see God's victory. Verse 22. And when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord sent a Ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, which were come against Judah, and they were smitten. I mean, they hadn't seen the victory yet. They just started singing and praising the Lord. And when the people began to shout praise God, God started to work. He started working. You know, they, they he sent an ambushment, and they began to kill each other. He brought brought confusion into the armies of the enemy, and so they began to kill each other instead of killing the Israelites. But what we see here is they're praising God for what He's going to do, and He starts working. kind of reminds me of Paul and Silas in the Philippian jail, praying and singing at midnight. And God begins to work. God is working. You know, I'm afraid that sometimes... God is at work, we just, because we're overburdened with our problems, we can't see him at work. And then we see here, third thing, the provision in verses 22 to 25, uh, I'm sorry, yeah, 22 to 25, it says, And when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, which were come against Judah, and they were smitten. The children of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, uttered to slay and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, every one helped to destroy another. And When Judah came toward the watchtower in the wilderness, they looked unto the multitude and behold, there were dead bodies fallen to the earth, and none escaped. And When Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away the spoil of them, they found them among them in abundance, both riches with the dead bodies and precious jewels which they stripped off for themselves. More than they could carry, and they were three days in gathering of the spoil. It was so much. So here, you know, they they are they are provided for with the riches of the spoil. We see here that God is faithful. God, you know, again, God cannot fail. You know, spoil. You know, as we think about that today. We can compare the spoil of the riches with the experience of seeing God work in your life, seeing Him meet needs, seeing Him take care of problems, work things out. And learning. Learning by experience. God does keep His word. God does keep His promises. God will act on my behalf God does care for me God does care for me you know God God has riches that he wants to he wants to demonstrate in our life Ephesians chapter 2 in verses 4 through 6 The Bible says, God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace you are saved. Hath raised us up together, made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So he's given us a position of protection, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man boast. For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works with God who has before ordained that we should walk in Him. And this is all predicated upon the fact that we were once children of disobedience. But God who is rich in mercy wants to show us His riches of His grace and His kindness toward us and work in our lives that we might be a workmanship. In other words, God's working in our life. He's, he's the farmer working in his garden, so to speak, to make it into something beautiful. To pull all the weeds out of your life. To make it fruitful. That's what God wants to do. And then, so there's the provision, and then lastly, the peace that comes with this. Second Chronicles Twenty verse twenty six says, and on the fourth day they assemble themselves in the valley of Barakah. Now Berakah, no, that's, that's back I think. Berakah um, speaks of it, it speaks of blessing, and and uh, but anyway, for there they blessed the Lord. Therefore, the name of the same place was called the Valley of Berakah unto this day. And then they returned, every man of Judah and Jerusalem. Jehoshaphat in the forefront of them to go again to Jerusalem with joy for the Lord had made them to rejoice over their enemies and they came to Jerusalem with psalteries and harps and trumpets unto the house of the Lord and the fear of God was in all the kingdoms of those countries when they had heard that the Lord fought against the enemies of Israel so the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet for his God gave him rest round about it was quiet why? God because the 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 neighboring countries heard that God fought for Judah. You know, it's like you remember in when the children of Israel crossed Jordan, and he sent the spies into um, Jericho, and Rahab says. We have heard what the Lord did to the Egyptians, and our hearts did melt. They were all afraid. They were all afraid. Why? They heard what the Lord had done. And here again, the nations hear what the Lord has done, and Joshua's reign is peaceful. It's peaceful. Uh. There was much joy and peace in the land. The Lord was glorified. You know, we can have, in, even in the midst of trials, we can have peace in the heart. In John sixteen thirty three, Jesus said, In the world ye shall have tribulation. But in me... Yeah, he said, Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. You know, in the world you're going to have tribulation. But in me ye shall have peace. We have peace. You know, we live in a world that's troubled. We have peace, even at times of problems, if we put our eyes on the Lord and not on the problem. See, we have a God that can take care. He's our father. That's a father's responsibility to protect and provide for his family. And that's what God does for his children. He's promised to provide for our needs, to protect us uh, through life's journey with Him. So may we trust and have confidence in Him. Are we looking to Him? We keep our focus and our eyes upon the Lord and not on the circumstances. Let's pray.